Hello everyone and welcome to episode 16 of Cultiverse. This week we'll be talking about Star Wars, The Last Jedi. Damn, I thought we were going to be talking about Attack of the Clones. I've got notes here for Attack of the Clones. I'd rather talk about Attack of the Clones because... It's probably like a modern great, in my opinion. It is like a modern masterpiece. Definitely the best. Of- it's like up there with like Citizen Kane, mm. Lord of the Rings, like Gladiator. They're all up there, you know. <laughs> yeah, Shakespeare, he's got nothing on that script of Attack of the Clones. So. It's just like, it just works. It's like poetry, it rhymes. <laughs> Everything rhymes, and that's all I want out of the film, really. Uh, if you want to attack us on social media. No, um, pun, no, no <laughs> pun intended, my God. Um, so yeah, on Twitter, we're at CultiverseCast. You, you sounded That's sure right. that you sounded sure well, You know, guys, it's been a long while since we've done one of these, and uh, the real reason is that we've. Um, you might say it was a long time ago. In a, in a, in a, in a SoundCloud far away. So we're about out of practice. Far, we are. Yeah. We're a bit tired, but you know what? We powered through. We um, we're we're here for you now. Yeah. And if you want to attack us on Facebook, it's the slash cultiverse. Yeah, I'm sure there were going to be a few people attacking us after this, taking revenge, as it were. Yeah, I mean, but they'll return. The haters always, like, you know, yeah. we just got to strike back. <laughs> that's, that's all we've got to do. Uh, and anyway... Um, if you're still with us after those terrible jokes. Now we know why we took such a long break, because, we, you know, our creative juices weren't flowing, but now they are. <laughs> Clearly, I mean, it's on full form here right now. This is it, this is it. So, The Last Jedi... We mm. saw it together. We did. We uh, we walked out of the, the cinema. Halfway through, yeah. And we were like, that was, we, that we, was we just need to pee at the same time. There was nothing like bad going on. No. But we came out afterwards, and then we both decided that we weren't best pleased with it. I think that's fair to say, yeah. Which is quite sad, actually. Quite, yeah. I mean, I never go into a film not wanting to enjoy it, particularly no. a Star Wars film. I want it, you know, I go in wanting to have a good time. I don't go in thinking... I need this film to hit this mark, that mark, and that mark. Mm. I just want to go in and have a good time. And I did with parts of it. But yeah, like you, I came away a bit disappointed, I must admit. Let's explore that more. Okay, so, let's um, do that. Let's do it. Why did, you, uh, why did you not get on with it that much? There are probably... <laughs> it's just that there's one there's one simple reason. And it's, you know... I just hate, you know, like I hate Kylo Ren. He's just horrible. It's exactly that. That's the only... He reminds, um, he reminds me of like my like, my son, which I don't speak to anymore. <laughs> Do you know what he reminds me of? He reminds me of sand. And I hate sand. I mean, it's rough it, and it's coarse. Of course, it gets and... everywhere, doesn't it? I yeah. mean, it's horrible. And we're back to Attack of the Clones. Um, I mean, we want to review that so much. Yeah. But yeah. Um, in so... answer to... <laughs> but yeah, similar to you. Yeah, I had a lot of issues with it. And mm. I'm... You know, it wasn't a bad, it wasn't a, you know, a bad film by any means, but it definitely let me down in terms of following up from, you know, a lot of the strands that Force Awakens set up so well. Mm. A lot of the humour I found overtly forced or um, not not fitting, not forced Over- Overtly forced. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like there were structural elements I, I had issue with. There were mm. characters' decisions I had issues with. The soundtrack was quite non-existent. I mean, I'm sure there was a soundtrack in there, but... Uh, it was just, like, was taken... one of John Williams' most iconic. Borrowed elements from from, uh, from Empire, from Return of the Jedi, from Force Awakens, and it's just... Which Force Awakens was guilty of as well, to be fair, but I think Last I think Jedi more, doesn't add much. There was more fun to it, I think. And Ray's theme in particular was, was really good, mm. and it was, you know, it wasn't as iconic as the original trilogy, but I don't think um, John Williams could create another thing like that. 
a like Ray's theme, you reckon? Or? No, I love Ray's theme, but I mean, like in terms of you take the soundtrack as a whole. I mean, it's got to be inspired from the original trilogy's uh, soundtrack, and even mm. uh, the prequel trilogy had a fantastic soundtrack as well. Probably one of the best. Jewel of the Fates and everything like that. Jewel of the Fates and the Battle of the Heroes and most of that soundtrack, I'd you know I'd happily sit down and listen to. Mm. Um, with Last Jedi, you know, it's a minor point, but I'm going to pick it. I don't really like it that much. Uh, of the soundtrack or just uh... the soundtrack yeah. yeah the soundtrack in particular but then the film as a whole structural issues visually stunning yeah I, I think it's add. important to emphasise we visually came away really impressed by it I'd like to go, I want to go and see it in IMAX at some oh, point I'd love because... to yeah 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 so we're just going to give more money to Ryan Johnson's pockets and uh, Lucasfilm. Exactly. It's about to hell with the fact that we had issues with the film. It's just, it, it looked so good that, yeah, that yeah, that's yeah. enough. Um, so um, so what, what do you take away from it? Why was, uh, why was it a disappointment? It was a disappoint- disappointment for a couple of reasons, I think. You mentioned about the, you mentioned about the humour. Um, again, I'm happy for a Star Wars film to be funny. I'm happy for there to be a Star Wars comedy down the line. Some people would probably argue the prequels and prequels and maybe that <laughs> not intentionally <laughs> not intentionally this this was intentionally going down the comedy route and that's fine that's intrinsic to star wars original trilogy has loads of jokes but i mean we opened with a um as a minor spoiler we opened with a your mum joke very early on which felt like totally just out of place really out of place and just kind of a bit like when Finn said about boyfriends and uh, do you have a really cute boyfriend in Force yeah, Awakens it was a bit, that a felt bit, it was a, it's a very fine line in Star Wars between you know a really funny moment and just you know pushing it too far and I do mm. feel like that wasn't it kind of took me out of the experience a bit I mean regardless of the fact that um we're going to full spoiler territory from this point on. I've decided. <laughs> the floodgates open. The floodgates really are open. So you got Poe Dameron in his little X-wing, which you know is a bit blue. It's you know it's a whole new ship. It's got blue stripes these days, mm. and he's like facing down this uh, this kind of dreadnought slash star destroyer. I can't. Remember, it might be the star destroyer actually. And dreadnought comes later. Yes, yeah, I think so. And he's just there, like, oh, like, like that's great, and and he somehow like magically like evades it, and uh, which is fine. Like he's a you Star know, Wars does that all the time. Yeah, you know, he's like the fair. best. He's the best like pilot in the galaxy or whatever. Mm. But it's um, to start the film off with, it just seemed like really, really out of place for a film that was meant to be, you know, the, probably the darkest in the in the uh, trilogy thus far. Mm. And usually the um, the second film is the the moment of most darkness. Where you think it would get, yeah, like Empire, you know, Empire starts off for you get a long sequence before there's any like major jokes. I guess when the Tauntaun dies, funny, funny. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's not when the Tauntaun, you're not like laughing at, but it's quite amusing the way he falls and then he's like. And he gets cut open, but whatever. It's just yeah. I mean, very small, small focus point of the film. But yeah. Speaking I, speaking of small, we say about humor. I thought you know how people uh, didn't like the Ewoks back with Return of the Jedi. Yes. I I never found that I had too much of a problem because I thought they were like this metaphor for the rebels kind of being inferior technology to the Imperials and still managing to you know mount a resistance them, yeah. and overcome them. And the Ewoks were representative. The Porgs, I felt like I could understand why people didn't like the Ewoks with Return. Like, they just over... I felt like they were an alien race who got overused in this film. They were swinging on the Millennium Falcon. They were... 
squealing yeah. at any possible point just to add levity. I, I, I'd possibly and... suggest that they weren't in the first draft of this screenplay. <laughs> and then Disney saw that first yeah, draft. Yeah, and they? I reckon, you know, Disney or Kathleen Kennedy looked at it and goes, it's, you know, it's good, but it could do with like a little bit of fluffy merchandise so we can flog to the kids. Mm. And um, there's a lot of comic relief potentially missing from certain scenes. So I imagine they just chucked chuck them in there or who knows maybe they're integral to uh, Ryan Johnson's <laughs> initial screenplay but they're going to be the heads of the new trilogy the standalone trilogy is going to be a poor I mean trilogy. I didn't have, that, that was that's such a small small aspect um, literally, I, I actually, literally and, and, and yeah I mean it's um, it, it's fine I like having like cute little things it wasn't mm. didn't detract from the experience too much no it just thematically um, perhaps a bit bit too much but like I actually I'm someone who doesn't like the Ewoks in Return of the Jedi I, I despise them okay because um, you know the, em- the emperor is like an entire legion of my best troops await them <laughs> and then they get massacred by a bunch of like small Wookiees because they couldn't afford big Wookiees I mean there were some fierce small Wookiees though, yeah but they couldn't go. you know George Lucas famously you know they couldn't afford to make so many Wookiee costumes so they like you know always make them small mm. and it's just like I would have understood if an army of Wookiees had overtook a, a you know that meant to be the 501st legion or something mm overpowered them but it's like it's just ridiculous how poor they are and it's just like I mean it's fine like it, you know it's um, it's a good film nonetheless but um, well, Porgs in this film mm. you know it's it, fine it, there's, yeah. there's much there's much more like serious crimes that this film commits in my opinion I yeah I'd agree with that the, the humour I could live with the humour if that were it. if that were the only problem problem in inverted commas with the film that's fine. Like every Star Wars film has humor. Some of it works, some of it doesn't. But you're right. There are. Do, do you want to sort of talk about them? There are some bigger problems. I think. Uh, okay, let, let's. Uh, we're jumping in straight, uh, straight to the, like the main kind of plot point of the first act, which is that they, uh, the First Order, has got this hyperdrive tracking technology, mm. and they're capable of tracking them through hyperspace, and they've got enough fuel for last however long, like a day or however long it is. And uh, someone pointed out to me. Uh, pointing this out to me earlier was um, there's a fantastic episode of Battlestar Galactica it's called 33 really early on in the series and it's a really similar plot uh, the Cylons at the time are you know are tracking the, uh, the the fleet through through their equivalent of hyperspace okay. every time they jump the Cylons uh, jump like after them 33 minutes later and it was like you know an hour of fantastic television mm, really sort of tense tense and it was just like trying to like work out how they're tracking them and um, everyone's like exhausted like they have to jump like they can't sleep so they're just absolutely exhausted it goes on for days and it's so so tense fantastic television and you've got this which is just like oh yeah we keep losing a, a few of our ships but we have like we have a ship there with hyperspace so you can just pop off to another little adventure because we need Finn to do something in the movie even though Finn is criminally underused in this film and he retreads so much of the so much of the, the territory he was in in the first film and yeah. I don't feel like his character goes anywhere or if, or if he does, it's territory, like you say, that he's done before. And it's I like, feel oh, it's... maybe he likes Rose, but Rose likes him, but he likes Ray. And it's just like some, like... <laughs> well, some people would say he likes Poe, but uh, <laughs> based, based the... on that dynamic, but I think they've put a, put a nail on the head so, on that one. Okay, and then he, they say Chuck Finn in, in with Rose. And uh, we're, we're, um, I remember in some of the, the promotional material for mm-hmm. the film, they were saying, yeah, Rose is such a smart and cool little character. Like, she's going to revolutionise... The storyline, she's going to be so integral. Mm. I mean, she's cute. She's fine. Like, she doesn't do much good or bad, necessarily. She tries to add to this idea of the kind of grey lines between the Resistance and the First Order, I was getting a sense of when... so. Of the war kind of bringing... 
I guess uh, she's paying to all these kind of different Yeah, families. so she kind of emphasises that and you get her like immediate loss at the loss of her sister. Uh, so that's kind of like the impact of war. But I guess we've kind of seen a lot, a lot of that before. Might have meant something um, a little bit more if we'd met the sister in the pre- met the two of them in the previous film. It, it yeah. felt like you were losing a character who didn't. I felt you could have just chucked another character along in Rose's position and potentially would have been just as good, if not better. And then you take you take Finn, who's probably you know one of the standout performers of the Force Awakens, and then chuck him on this needless uh, little errand, <laughs> which you know it's um, I found probably one of the most dragging um, and and just boring elements of the film. When we went down to Canto Bay. So we went Canto Bay and it's like, oh, it's a casino point. And I saw so many people saying to me afterwards that it didn't feel very Star Wars-y. And I was trying to think, I don't know if it did to you, but I, it kind of reminded me more of like a Guardians of the Galaxy kind of uh, area. Sort of vibe to it. Um, I could see... When you've when you have cantinas and when you have kind of what the prequels for better or for worse did, you know, and you'd have fun jaunts to Uta, uh, was it Utapal? Um, Utapal. Utapal. Um, where when Obi Wan was going to take oh, down yeah, the yeah, yeah. I, I'm not saying it was a particularly exhilarating moment, but you had kind of jaunts where it wasn't particularly relevant to the plot, or when the Millennium Falcon gets eaten by that giant kind of space worm in The Empire Strikes Back. You could argue that's a bit of a detour which I guess, doesn't you know it furthers character but it doesn't do a great deal I mean, for the plot but it's you know the plot is there like the um empire does it brilliantly in balancing the the, the kind of the three strands you've got the empire tracking you know han and leia you've got mm. luke, luke training and it's just kind of all culminates lovely in cloud city yeah but this, the, like, this obviously tries to do something i guess to i guess effect. tries to do it in, 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 a, in a similar way but I, I i found myself just constantly longing to return to luke and ray's storyline which was far more interesting did you feel as well that this uh in the middle when we went to canto by the editing uh the editing started to get almost a little bit choppy it felt not choppy in a way of these editors can't edit a film but we kept cutting. I love the more extended scenes between Ray and Luke or Ray and Kylo. There was almost a bit of a Silence of the Lambs style vibe for me when you had Ray and Kylo and their kind of uh, uh, dueling sort of relationship and sort of different moralities coming together. But we kept like cutting. I felt in really brief scenes from there back to Canto Bight as if oh, they almost maybe other kids gonna get bored by these really dialogue-heavy scenes with Ray and Kylo and Luke, so we're just going to jump back to Finn and Rose riding llamas through, you know, Canto Bay. There's it, def- probably definitely an element of that. Um, it might but be maybe to, that second act. But maybe just to, to, our, to our eyes, was, the inverse was true, that, yeah. you know, this... It was almost like a it's ripped straight out of a, of a modern Marvel movie. It's kind of fun. I, to me, I just felt like it was a very fun little jaunt that I could imagine Star-Lord running into. And, or Thor, I guess. Or Thor. Or Thor Ragnarok. Very similar, and it's just going to be like so outrageous. But it, the casino was overtly kind of CGI'd to me. It didn't mm. seem to have a basis in reality. The whole planet didn't have much of a basis in, in, in a real set, even though I imagine there was you know quite a lot of set work going on there. But... I guess. Yeah, sure, I guess if you take you know take a step back and you look at that segment as a whole, it's mm-hmm. kind of setting up the kind of wider implications for the first order. You, you know, taking control and the, the kind of the arms trade that goes behind it. And uh, Benicio of the Toro character, yeah. the DJ, they call yeah. him something like that. And the fact that he kind of raises the idea that again, you know, you've got these conflicts going on, but for a lot of the galaxy you know it doesn't care or it's causing slavery and it's causing capitalism and Mm. you know so that and i think that tries to set up when you know when finn makes a 
sacrifice sort of play at mm. the end and you think for a second oh maybe they're gonna kill Finn off and then Rose saves him almost the idea that what's the point in Finn becoming sort of a martyr when the conflict doesn't mean much it's better to survive as Rose mm. says like, it's trying to get to that point but it feels like an odd yeah. way of reaching it and to me I feel like the interesting thing to have explored would have been say completely scrap The Force Awakens here because I feel like a lot of this film's issues are based in that how J.J. Abrams set this universe up. Yeah, certainly elements. And I, of it. why couldn't you have just had, you know, so the, after following Return of the Jedi, the rebels take take control of the galaxy. And as much as I love, you know, love the original trilogy, they're very black and white in in how they portray light side and and dark. Mm. Why couldn't you open that up a bit and explore the kind of the grey areas? Why couldn't you have conflicted, you know, so the rebels take control of a few systems or maybe like take control of the Senate again, but, mm. like, it starts to get corrupt. and, and like the rebels start yeah. to look like the villains. And then that, that would be much more interesting to explore rather than this... I just find it just so implausible that this First Order has just risen up again in this fascist state and has somehow acquired all of these resources again, having mm. risen from basically nothing. And, and the it's resistance... just had its main base destroyed yeah, and as re... well, and then there's this idea that they can... So suddenly... I, I want to know, like, how are, you getting f- how are you being funded? Like, how is Snoke manipulating the the pieces on this on this universe to you know further his aims like i it, to me i just like i'm just watching a repeat of the original trilogy which is of a much worse quality with villains i don't care about and mm. aren't dangerous it's another issue i'll talk on later but kylo ren is a to me is a comic relief he's like a he's like an emo an emo kid who who he kind of flirts with being this dark lord and then occasionally mm. just punches um he's like the guy, i can't remember what his name is the admiral uh hux. hux he just like beats beats hux up for comic relief it's like the kids can't handle a, a thoroughly dark villain always it always annoys me a bit with hux as well uh you've seen ex machina haven't yeah. you yeah uh because obviously that's uh the actor who plays hux whose name escapes me right now uh played one of the main characters in Ex Machina and he can do sort of such layered performances and they've just I know it's you know it's just a role but they all Hux does is just bellow and again become a comic relief sort of general I know you had that throughout the original trilogy but that... I mean yeah but that is the issue I just I'm seeing the same storyline repeated mm. but in a much worse condition I mean like, I'd like to see new storylines in new parts of the galaxy maybe not even involving the Skywalker Lineage, like it, I, I, so much of this film was ruined by what um, creative decisions that JJ decided to do. I think by playing it so safe with Force Awakens, it was a good film. It, you know, it balanced humor and it introduced these new characters. And we saw it just say before, just before yeah, the so last Jedi. We watched, we, we, watched we watched them back to back, and the differences are you know are really plain. Like, on initial viewing, Force Awakens is you know it's fun. It's a, it is a Star Wars movie. It's hum- it's humorous throughout. It's um it's balanced perfectly because it's stole like probably the the screen for screen play of a new hope we won't touch on that <laughs> um, but, but i think like by not being brave enough jj has kind of cursed this trilogy to be unsatisfying um, and that's a big a big tangent i went on from canto bite <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> which ironically if you think about what canto bite does in the last jedi going on a big Massive tangent, tangent. Is like, you've like done a metaphor right there for canto bite's role it was it? just like nothing was furthering the plot to me it was kind of just like the story was was very much within Ray's Ray's story, and it, mm. um, whereas Finn was very much connected to that storyline in Force Awakens, and I mean, I mean, Poe wasn't you know particularly used in the Force Awakens, so I thought he'd get a, t- a chance to develop and really shine in this film, but he just becomes like the naive pilot who keeps getting reprimanded, and yeah. that entire storyline of him kind of just like 
trying to like do a coup on the ship against pink haired lady who's mm. like oh it's just I don't know I I saw what they and I think I remember hearing interviews beforehand teasing a little bit about what Poe's art was going to be and I like the idea behind showing kind of this arrogant character who uh, almost like the heroes of the previous films is used to uh, sending X-Wings flying light speed through Star Destroyers used to kind of one in a million chances the idea that kind of the opening scene cement of that's not always going to work and you're going to get people killed doing that you know uh, who don't need who don't need to die but I agree I thought the execution of it was weirdly done you had Holdo the uh, purple haired woman just holding back ironically given her name holding holding back information for the sake of drawing she, out the plot, it was just like let's so draw out the plot for another. The second act was just utterly is it teaching pointless. Patience is that? Kind I of... mean, the whole thing would have been avoided. Even the whole dive, like the whole tangent going to. I mean, if she just said, you know, look, Poe, like this is not going to work. We've got, we've this got. It's not going to go the way you think. It's not going to go the way you think. We've got these, we've got these, uh, these, these uh, ships. We're going to evacuate on. Like our plan is to just hold off as long as possible and use the other ships as decoys. Mm. Which is fine, but no, you you got this whole subplot where you're trying to distrust this uh, this resistance figure mm. um, without, but but it's completely pointless because she's like the most virtuous person I've ever met. She <laughs> she like blocks there, like she just rams into a star destroyer with her ship with the ship, like mm. it's like there's no there's no essence of grey within the resistance. It's all like they're all like the perfect people, and then you've got and you've got the the arch enemy, the Vader of this of this of this trilogy is is Kylo Ren now. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know with Kylo whether they're going to keep playing on his conflict in nine, whether that's still going to be a big part. But then, of course, he's going down the same route as Vader if you if you redeem mm. him. So I'm not sure. Should we talk about Kylo. the uh, the big Snoke in the room? The big the Snoke in the room. He's stand, standing over there like on a hologram, just massively towering over. Even us. though he's quite you know quite puny in real life. I'd want like Yoda versus Snoke. I think you could have had a great battle there. Um, well, we'll never get that now. Yeah, they can fight as Force ghosts. We oh, know, okay. We know Yoda's a Force ghost, so he can uh, just pop up whenever. But he doesn't give any advice to anyone and leaves Luke stranding on on the island, just eating uh, or drinking that weird milk. Blue, yeah. blue, blue milk. It's green you know. milk in this one. Oh, of course it is. Yeah. My mistake. It's a big plot point there to it's get wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, so the, the Snoke in so the this room. This is like, this is Ryan Johnson at his best. He's trying to invert our expectations. Mm-hmm. He's playing on our, on the trope of the Emperor. and um, Just just a little, just a tad. It's just like, it's just a tad, like, and it didn't go the way we thought it would. So did you did you like that? As in how, how they sort of, oh, and I how mean, he was handled generally in the film. Spoilers, obviously, but we've said we said we were going to be in spoilers. We're spoiler territory. Obviously, that's been kind of one of the big points of controversy recently, given that we don't find out his identity, you know, uh, his identity, his background. Although some people argue the emperor didn't have that either, so there's an element of, and is it fans' fault for theorizing? But anyway. Um, I liked how the we said about the direction of it and cinematography. It Gorgeous. looks incredible. The set is amazingly kind of um, designed, and there are um, there's some real tension as you're wondering what's going to happen. And Snoke, kind of the way he uses power. So I think when Ray tries to imitate Luke's like taking the lightsaber mm. and he just flicks the saber away, you get a sense of this you know this uh, honed power that he's got and his uh, dominance over over Kylo. Um, but then. It 
you know, and Kylo, they've been building up, he's got the conflict within him, and you had even in The Force Awakens, I like that it developed Han saying, you know, when the Snoke is done with you, mm. he's going to toss you aside. And Snoke pretty much admits mm. when Kylo has achieved what he needs, that's, I, I've managed to trick him into thinking. Um, but Kylo killing Snoke, you know, turning on Snoke at the last moment <laughs> in a very kind of similar way to how Vader turns on Snoke uh, the emperor. <laughs> the, these are the parallels. It all rhymes. Mm. Uh, turns on the emperor just as he's you know killing Luke. I think people are thinking this is brave and bold for the series to do because it's doing it before the end of the trilogy and leaving Kylo as kind of this surprise you know surprise mm. villain who's not going to be redeemed. But it is still repeating uh, that whole scene. There's a moment where Snoke gets Ray to look out of this port. Uh, um, I know, you know, I know it's deliberate, and I know it's kind of sort of a homage as much as it is repetition. But it just felt like at that point, you know, you're quoting, and then you you have repeated that moment. And I know it's trying to be the character arcs are a lot more sort of well developed than you might argue Luke's is in you know in the original trilogy. It's a fairly simple hero's tale. It's trying to be something a little bit more complex, and then it looks amazing when Kylo and uh, Ren go on to fight the Snoke's, uh, sort yeah. of palace guard type. The death it looks incredibly done, and it's a really tense moment and well executed. But it just feels again like familiar beats, and I just wonder, as a result, whether it then sets you back up to First Order versus Resistance in some form for the next film, and then, as I think you said to me as we were coming out. So how is the setup for episode nine any different to any of the setups mm. for the original trilogy? The battle's still ongoing. I'd actually disagree a bit in terms of I wouldn't say it was a familiar. I mean, the actual way it happened was really familiar, and it, and it was clearly intentional to be so familiar in terms of how the the stage was set for this showdown. Mm. Um, and you know, I, it really actually really shocked me how it went down. I didn't expect it at all. But then the you know the scene ends, and you go back to like whatever's going on. That, in resistance, and I just felt, you know, really, you know, deflated, and like uh, I don't know, it's just like I just really wanted to know like more with like about Snoke before he got killed. Like, save that for like I don't know, I don't want to say it for the end for the film, but you, you know, you don't know who this guy is, like how he's managed to manipulate all these people. Mm. He's so he's so strong with the Force by the looks of it, like he can manipulate anything. He's allowing this. Uh, this connection between between Ray and Kylo, he's, mm. he's immensely powerful with the Force, and we get to see him twirl a lightsaber and throw Ray around a bit, and you don't you don't get anything from that, and it's like I, I like it in the fact it's so kind of tragic and almost like almost like like uh, ancient Rome esque the level of betrayal, mm. but it, it just leaves you kind of like with so many questions, you, it's hard to really appreciate it, and I feel like if that had been like in another kind of film, like. I'd say a fantasy or something like that, and then you taken that, taken that kind of element, and it would probably would have been fine. Like that's the kind of thing you'd see in Game of Thrones, or not that the, not the Force elements. I was gonna for a minute when you said about uh, just to very quickly uh, reminded me. I didn't mind too much how they dealt with this, but you know how Littlefinger was kind of killed off in Game of Thrones before you knew oh, that was awful. exactly what his final motivations. I disagree was. with that. Um, there's a bit of a sort of parallel I thought yeah, there in terms of a kind of kind of similar yeah um, but the issue it's even worse because you know you spent a lot of time with Littlefinger Game of Thrones mm. and you you know he's orchestrated so much of the events in Westeros and then you and you kill him without really telling the, it's like a cop out whereas mm. this was just kind of I felt like it was just 
subverting expectations for the sake of it um, rather than furthering any kind of any story or I don't know it was, a, it was an okay scene I guess but it just left me like kind of thinking when you go revisit this trilogy and go back mm. to Force Awakens it's going to be laughable when Snoke's telling Kylo what to do in his massive throne unless you, you know unless we get backstory in the third film but I know that's not going to happen so do I, I, that would feel odd just to have a scene where it goes oh by the way you know J.J. Abrams comes in and goes, by the way you know how you want to or maybe Snoke, Snoke doesn't was... properly dead I don't know but I, I don't want to have to consult a comic book or like a, an extended novel mm. or like a game to like find out who he was it should really be in the film like just a little bit more about how he like constructed this order, like how his power works, who he actually is. Maybe that's just like fan fanboy in me just wanting to know. But I'm not the kind of person who was theorizing for three years, like who whoever two years, like whoever he could be, you know. Mm. But yeah, a bit disappointed. And I, but at least it's interesting in the fact that I thought that it would propel Kylo into a different direction, yeah. rather than just remaining this comic relief emo emo teenager. And the, the final act just lacks any kind of dramatic tension, given that he's like the leading force behind this evil, evil empire now. Do you not think we might have like General Hux as the main villain of episode well, maybe nine? Maybe that would be better. Like, I can kind of, he's like some like fascist nutter. That's more interesting to me than than this this conflicted guy who wants to wipe the slate clean, but also just wants to continue the you know the first order's dominance of the galaxy. He doesn't want. What is he doing that's different? And my thing, you know, watching that trailer, it's my issue with Luke Skywalker in this film as well. You know, Luke says, it's time for the Jedi to end. Mm -hmm. And I interpreted that as, it's time for the Jedi literally to end and we're going to make a new order. Like, it's in the middle. And it's going to be like... I've had talked to on this podcast before, but like, what, let's get rid of the Jedi's teachings. Like, they're clearly not working very well if we're in a state of continual war, <laughs> of perpetual war. Mm. Let's just like incorporate some of the the better bits of the Sith. Let's incorporate some bits of the Jedi and make a new like center ground, like some of the uh, older video games, like Knights of the Republic, explored. Mm-hmm. But like with Darth Revan. But that's definitely not the route they thought. It's not go the route, and it goes back down this binary path, sunset, you know, whatever. <laughs> it just it, go, it just goes down this path again, and I'm just it's just retreading old territory, which has already been thoroughly explored. It for me. I don't know. I think they try with you know with Yoda's kind of cameo moment of coming in, and kind of when Luke can't uh, bring himself to burn uh, sort of the remains of the temple and the books, Yoda burns them and goes basically to hell with it like you in some ways the jedi have kind of brought themselves to this point and it's not about the teachings in these old archaic texts it's about kind of taking what you've learned forward and making a new sort of jedi order out of it so they they try and go in a slightly different route i feel like four five four five and six and it's never really said to you despite the jedi obviously being wiped out four five and six never really said the jedi went about it wrong at first, you know, four, five, six just said they were wiped out by Darth Vader and the Sith. This tries to blur the lines, I suppose. I can give it the credit that it's not totally binary, but then it feels at the same time quite binary that Ray's Ray's conflict seems to be at a relative end by the end of this film. So I, I feel like it ended before it even began. Her conflict was. I'm a bit bored on this island because this guy isn't teaching me anything. Mm. Maybe I can like further the plot by, um, you know, being talking to to Kyle because I'm a bit bored and there's no one <laughs> else to talk to, and he's just ignoring me and he, and just drinking like weird green milk. <laughs> You're not a fan of this green milk. That's 
yeah, what I'm taking from this review. I mean, what I'm taking from it is that the Luke Skywalker I know is not the Luke Skywalker in this film. He's Luke. Could you imagine? You take Luke Skywalker from Jedi. Mm-hmm. He's like the by the end of that film, he's like the ultimate Jedi. Mm-hmm. And you take him, and you, and then you. You tell him in this film that his best friend, Han Solo, he's saved his life countless times, has yep. been through everything. He's just been killed by your apprentice. And he takes it, like, he's initially a bit like, oh, no, like, whatever, like... I'm trying to remember, what is his... He asks where's Han. He asks where's Han, and he kind it, of cut away, away to away. A And then, like, layer. unless he's off-screen, just, like, in tears, <laughs> like, I'm not accepting that. Like, I mean, why would... Like, I, the whole reason for him on it being on this island is to find a way... And find the origins of the Jedi, and find a way of defeating this perpetual cycle of conflict. Is it what how I stood it? But, okay. but I feel like Ryan Johnson interpreted it more as if like he's doing like a short, like a short art house film. He's like, you know what? He's just really sad about about how much he like let everyone down, and he's just like moping on the island. Well, that- I suppose uh, JJ never exp- explicitly when Han says the rumors are Luke went to find the first Jedi temple, he never says I don't think to rebuild to rebuild the order it's just the rumor clearly Luke, Luke looks crestfallen when you see him at the end of Force Awakens that, so I can see how Johnson would come to the idea that Luke gets there almost and it's not to redeem the Jedi Order he thinks we've tried it twice now and it hasn't worked I'm going to just burn you know eventually sort of uh do away with all of the Jedi texts and everything. I can see how he gets I, 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 to that I can definitely, conclusion. I can definitely see how he got to it. I just don't, personally don't see, like, as Luke Skywalker, I just don't feel like him as a character would be the person to sit on this island whilst his friends are, friends are in pain. Like, he's the same Skywalker in Jedi that immediately ran to them on the, after, after having the vision of Darth Vader. But he clearly blocks him, and he says as much that he's been blocked out uh, he stopped feeling the force. Yeah, that, yeah, willingly he blocks himself out from the force, so you can think how he wouldn't. Whereas Leia, seemingly with some sort of force power in the Force Awakens, knew that Han had seemed seemed to know Han had died. You saw mm. her reaction straight after. But he must have known, like his evil apprentice would have gone and gone off because he knew he was. I think he knew he was with Snoke. Mm. Um, so he just thought, I'm just gonna let. I'm the only Jedi left. I'm just gonna let these two Sith Lords just run around the galaxy, killing everyone, whilst I sit on this island. I, I don't know. I can just about like I think if you look at Luke from this human perspective of let's say you've been almost to some extent like the Blade Runner twenty forty nine effect, you've been brought up to believe you are gonna kind of redeem this order and you're gonna uh, bring it back and it's gonna be peace and harmony across the galaxy. You try it and then partially through his own doubt of doubting Kylo and then, you know, starting to attack him, or, you know, going to attack him and then regretting it instantly. But you have that moment of doubt and then it all collapses. I, I can see why Luke would, you know, why Luke would then think, well, I've just been built up as this hero who's going to s- save everything. And he even says as much, what do you expect me to do just to randomly come and ba- come back and take on the whole mm. force first order? Like, I can see how... I can see how Luke gets there and I can actually understand it. I quite like that Johnson's ambitious enough to not play Luke as a standalone, oh, right then, I wanted to be a hero all along, kind of. I like that Johnson took that risk. I like it, it but I just it don't down. think it works with my, with my understanding of Star Wars. We've done that with another character in another film. I feel like, fair enough, but... Right. You know, this is this is not, like, some, like very like even necessarily believable character this is like luke skywalker in my opinion maybe i just hide it hold him in such high regard it makes watching the original trilogy just such a depressing thought now 
Like, now you're going to get to the end of Return of the Jedi and see the second Death Star blown up and see, see Luke, like, burning Vader's body and with a Force ghost. And it's like, oh, but in 25 years, you're all going to get murdered again. <laughs> and I'm going to train my apprentice and be very bad because I'm not even that good a Jedi. Yoda could have appeared at any point and told me, you know what, be a bit more chill with Kylo. Like, he's fine. He's just a kid. But he's just like, no, Yoda's like, no, I'd rather, like, ev- let everyone die. I think Yoda, Yoda. If you're reading into Yoda's actions and why he only appears as kind of this a mixture of puppet slash CGI that they seem to do here, mm. it's like they want to be reverent to how he looked in six, but he was a puppet in six, and but they're doing his CGI anyway. Um, he was kind of, he was a puppet in this. Yeah. Um. He, but he had like the blue. Obviously, there was CGI kind of. We had to add the uh, ghost element. Yeah. All, all I mean is that I felt like it was trying to straddle the line between the two. But anyway, Yoda. I feel went away and we're going a bit deep into Yoda here Yoda I feel went away and just was like let Luke deal with it and then when Luke gets to this complete I think he was just napping for like 30 years and then you're like oh Um, no Luke Skywalker it's more like the galaxy is on kind of on the brink again and if Luke hadn't intervened uh, as a sort of hallucination or I don't know what, what force projection force projection sort of force ghost of his own on on crate to kind of fight Kylo in inverted commas uh, that that would have been the end of the resistance and potentially meaning the first order taking over the galaxy so Yoda's kind of intervening yeah, he intervenes at, at the very like last minute when I don't know you got I guess you've got to suspend your kind of disbelief a bit it wouldn't be a very fun story if Luke had just quelled this uh, innate innate hatred within Kylo Ren no um, I would which is an issue yeah I would say kind of with Luke um, something that probably annoyed me more with Luke uh, than anything else and it wasn't so much him uh, him as a character and where they've taken him at the beginning of the film uh, but we've just had um, the fo- and for everyone who says this is a really ambitious film sh- uh, again sh- talking about the structure that you mentioned earlier uh, we've just had The Force Awakens have this old sort of mentor character uh, be with you for the first two acts seem like a real uh, guide to Rey and then get killed off now, Luke doesn't follow that exact path, but again, you've got this elderly mentor who sacrifices his life, you know, um, on behalf of the Resistance. Mm. And again, it just felt a bit like, I almost predicted going into the film, oh, Luke's probably not going make it, to make it out of this alive. They'll repeat the same sort of idea. And they essentially do. It's maybe a bit later. It's maybe an act three towards the end. But he, I, again, that just annoyed me. Again, the familiarity. We've had Ben, we've had... Mm. And so, it feels like again the franchise is struggling to do new things. And I just feel like they're off. treating these older characters, these legacy characters, as kind of disposable like <laughs> plot devices. Like, I reckon in this third in this third film in Episode mm-hmm. Nine that they were planning on having Leia as, and had the exact same thing. I reckon she would have been very prominent in the first two acts and then be, and be killed by by Ben or probably using her force powers <clears throat> as she did in this in this sort of Superman style I, I would put money on it like if she was if she was around to film this last film she wouldn't have not made it throughout like there's no there's no film that I could there's no way I could foresee her living in that film like she is just disposable for these new generation of characters and it just fills me with such pessimism for this universe that there's there's just never anything why can't oh, I just I'm just, I'm just I, exasperated. I do kind well. of, I do kind of wonder, like, if that was the case, if you thought, and I, I like the idea again of Ryan Johnson going, okay, this film's gonna almost go. You need to stop clinging, almost to fans. You need to stop clinging on to nostalgia all the time, and also theorizing about everything. Let go of that, and let's go forward with the new, with the new characters. In some ways, 
why even have the legacy characters in this is trilogy? this is like, my argument put, I, sort of what you were yeah. getting at, put more focus on developing ray on developing finn beyond the comic relief characters i believe he is a lot of the time and just i i wouldn't have minded three films dedicated hopefully that's what ryan's new trilogy will be three films on totally original characters you can call back to things that happened in the past but don't kind of feel mm. reverential. Is Ryan almost commenting on Abrams using Hannah and Leia? I think Did, potentially. Would and Ryan I, I maybe think, have started with a standard I think the issue idea. is, I think these directors, they sit down with Disney execs and Kathleen Kennedy, and I think mm. she literally just hands them a clipboard, and it's a, it's a checklist. It's going, oh yeah, Millennium Falcon? Yep. <laughs> TIE Fighters? Yeah, 88? Oh, 88? Yeah, we'll get those in. Oh, can we get Death Star we get into a, that first film? We can't get Death Star. Oh, Luke Skywalker. We'll get Luke Skywalker in. Yeah, that, we, that'll we sell tickets. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we got yeah, get Princess Leia in. Oh, <laughs> anyone else? TIE Fighters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. TIE Fighters. Force yeah. Wakens, like you've got BB-8 and then uh, Paul's in. need a cute in. droid. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Got a reasonably happy ending. Yes. Yeah. Have you got Desert Planet? Don't forget, we love those <laughs> Desert Planets. Oh, I've got Jakku. Wow, we love Jakku. Yeah, Desert Planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, why not just... You know it, what Abrams should have done, and I think is just taken taken Return of the Jedi and then just pushed the pushed it you know forward a hundred years or something, or mm-hmm. go back in time, go back ages ago, and then and then you wouldn't get fanboys crying about how they <laughs> like me crying about what they how they treated Luke Skywalker because I got my own uh, in my head he's you know he's as clear as any character. He's like to me it's like blasphemy to do, dare do something wrong with Luke Skywalker because to me I have ownership of him in my head. But like, why didn't you just push it forward or push it back or go to a corner of the galaxy in the current in the current time? We mm. explore something a bit a bit different. You know, not maybe not even focus on Jedi and Sith. Like, but that's on the that's on the checklist by Disney, so it's got to be in there. Even with Rogue One, you got this sense of oh, Vader's got to be in there. Oh, so we don't have any lightsabers otherwise. Yeah, so. you need lightsabers in there. You got to sell those tickets. You know, all the fanboys. You know, <laughs> they've got to squeal every time something familiar is on screen. I like, clapped. I clapped when I saw that. You know, it's just yeah. I mean, I, I feel like we've been. Well, I've been in particular very negative about this film, but I mean, there were it was like there were some fantastic moments. It was just kind of they were threaded along by such weak structure and familiar kind of some narratives beats, kind and of. beats, and it got to the point on the um, the final planet. I don't know what it was called, the crate. The, the crates. That you know, you've got the Millennium Falcon dodging past these Tie Fighters again with the same soundtrack from Empire, and I was just <laughs> sitting there like. I've seen this how many times now? Like I don't, I've lost track, and I, I know there's no tension. Like the Millennium Falcon's not going to be blown up. Mm. I, I kind of want it to actually. I really want it to. I, hope, I was actually <laughs> the ninth film will just open with with the Falcon <laughs> self-destructing. I literally, the I, I actually, my, one of my predictions for this film was going to be I, I would have thought Snoke was going to destroy the Millennium Falcon. Like I didn't, I thought Luke would actually survive mm. and you know go on to the, the last film, which I hoped he would, but you know apparently not. Uh, definitely not. I would say unless he's going to be back as a force ghost in the, in the next film that would be the only way can... and like you know he collapses into the robes it's very Obi-Wan-esque mm. he's like looking at the, uh, the sun in a kind of a twin sun style way and like my, my, my almost my thing with that is even if you go back to um, episode 4 mm. um, you know he collapses and he's like if you strike me down I'll become more powerful than you could possibly imagine yeah but you know Obi-Wan Kenobi does nothing to influence events apart from you know tell, tell Luke a few things like how powerful is that if he'd been in person he could have actually done something he could have told him that taught him up he didn't have to go to Dagobah could have taught and, and it's the same in this Luke could have just you know what Ray's actually not had much training maybe I should actually stay around for like a year or so just like go train her maybe then I can actually fight on the side of resistance maybe like make sure my sister doesn't get killed like I don't know I find it just very spiritual and I don't know I thought Ryan Johnson would be brave enough to you know, 
not do this crap. I yeah, I I can see. So why? What is the point? He's not more powerful. He's just like evaporated. I I guess that's almost even Luke maybe borrowing from Obi Wan in a sense of kind of I can't be asked. anything to distract <laughs> Kylo in that. So in I, that I way. think actually I got the impression that like the the energy it required to transmit that that kind of force projection mm. did really take out of him. He did seem quite pained and. You know. Um, oh yeah, I think that's the idea. That was it's, kind of the idea, but he like, sort of knows sh- full well when he does it that that's probably going to kill him, yeah. and it's worth it's a sacrifice worth making so that Ray can kind of take on take on the mantle. Take then. on the mantle. One thing I will say, Yoda. Uh, Yoda says to Luke, and this was another. Um, yeah, uh, Yoda says to Luke at one point, "You need to teach kind of Ray the lessons I taught you, and one of the important lessons I taught you was failure." How does Ray learn that from this? Because she's not exactly... You don't see her witness Luke's death. Uh, well, he's too far away for her to witness it. But I don't quite know how she learns failure from this film. I don't really get how she learns anything in this film. You know, <laughs> at, you know when Luke goes... Not to trust Kylo. When Luke goes to, to Cloud City, at least he loses an arm. And, like, he learns the, fake, the fact that, you know... Even that's pointless. One of my issues with Empire Strikes Back <laughs> is that, you know, if he'd not gone... You know, Han and Leia probably would have died or or be captured. I mean, that was the whole point to lure him there. Mm. But you know, all he really lost out of that was an arm, and he, he got a great bit of information about his parentage. So he did. That's all uh, fine. But, but what does Ray learn in this film? She she learns that her parents, or admits to herself that her parents were nobody. Obviously, that's so that's that kind of thing. Like you can come from anything and still be relevant. It's, just, it's like okay, I guess. I I guess I guess again, it's more that idea of kind of your. Doesn't matter where you're. Yeah, it doesn't matter where your sort of upbringing comes from, and again, Ryan Johnson's focus on uh, destabilizing sort of like the old myths of Star Wars that everyone has to be this mythical, you know, mythical being and connected to the Skywalkers in some way. When in reality, that's not you know realistic. People can just be random people who happen to get brought into this, Mm. brought into this life. It's. There were some interesting ideas he plays with and some some that reminded me a little bit of Blade Runner 2049 mm. in the sense of you coming to terms with the fact that you're not actually almost the chosen one of, of this story. Mm. There were some similarities there. I but... even thought there were some parallels with like with Logan in terms of how like they were looking back at the past as almost like this like ridiculous kind of like it wasn't didn't go down that way or whatever it almost sort of like, tinted. yeah it was almost like taking what had gone before and just kind of throwing a, a lot of a large aspects of it out the window literally with luke throwing the lightsaber <laughs> off the cliff i think was yeah i'll tell you about. what a moment i did actually like the yeah. actual time luke did project himself in front of it in front of in front of kylo's given himself enough time to escape yeah. it was really i thought it was quite an epic scene when when uh kylo was like i want every Every gun you have pointed at him, and um, I thought, like, I thought like, <laughs> the, the way they did, did it. And at first, uh, it looked like one bullet had just taken mm. completely sort of destroyed <laughs> him, and I would have actually quite laughed at that if that was it. But the the way that it was showing, kind of at first his power, but then in reality, he's just a you know, he's just a yeah. It just kind of, of shows how Kylo is utterly consumed with revenge, and mm. it was um, there's a lot lot going on in that scene, which is really fantastic, actually. I think it's worth briefly saying, I know we've talked a lot about sort of the negative aspects and things, and we did emphasise at the beginning that we did largely have a good time with a lot of parts. Uh, the performances, I, I thought that even though there were some weak aspects to the plot, everyone was giving it their 
all in terms yeah, of performance. Yeah, 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 yeah. Daisy Ridley wasn't really sort of strong form as this conflicted character. And I thought, I thought her her scenes uh, when she's telepathically communicating with with Kylo were mm. really fantastic, actually. Yeah, she and Adam um, Driver, I thought, really sold it. As much as way. I don't really like the direction that that Kylo kind of goes in with his kind of comically raging rants and, and outbursts like you know his performance was was really good i think um, he tries to give him the in the conversations a bit more subtlety yeah. and things than he gets in the action scenes sometimes it's kind of like what we didn't get from uh hayden christensen sometimes but that's probably not his fault at all i sometimes feel they are and kylo is sort of trying to be that sometimes but uh they are trying to do almost anakin mm. right with with kylo is it's a more natural progression into him turning to be the villain of the story mm. than Anakin ever was. And Mark Hamill, I thought, not not that he's the villain of the story, but that he, again, was on, even if you didn't love the way they took Luke's character. His performance was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And even especially when he's going into the Millennium Falcon and he's, uh, R2 plays in the the original Princess Leia. Oh, pre- that that, that was got pro- to me. Probably, not- probably my favourite scene in, in, the, uh, in, in the film, actually, mm. I'd have to say. One character I thought they were outrageously mishandled again was Captain Phasma. Who? I mean, oh, oh, this character who's in it for about two yeah, minutes, yeah? yeah? Do you, know, oh. you know how they, like, wheel Gwendolyn... Gwendolyn? Gwendolyn? Gwendolyn Christie. Gwendolyn Christie out every press opportunity. He's like, so what your character? And he's just like, oh, yeah, I get so much to do. I'm like, no, you don't, darling. Literally. <laughs> maybe, maybe don't say that that, that way to our face. But, <laughs> but, you, but you don't. I mean, okay, so you have a few minutes of screen time in The Force Awakens, barely. You tell Finn to put his helmet back on, and then you got chucked down a garbage chute. Yeah, into the trash compactor. And then, and then, and then oh, so it's okay, though, because in the second film, she'll have so much to do. She'll have lots of lots of interesting characters, and she'll get revenge on Finn for doing so horrible. Mm. And she gets thrown down a fiery pit. And she, you, get, you get to see her eye, and it's like, oh, she's, she's a human. Maybe she's Great. human. We didn't know this. <laughs> I mean, like, and then, so she has that little laser sword battle with, with Finn, which is just... Finn, utter, Finn loves these laser sword battles. Which is with... just, like, utterly devoid of any any tension. Um, you know neither of them will probably... You, you don't know, maybe she'll die, but... Um, and then somehow when uh, when pink-haired lady or purple lady shoots hyperdrive through the ship, that they're all magically in different places, and mm. not, they're all fine though. Everything's on fire, and the ship's not like internally combusting. It's just it's fine. I mean, you know, Phasma gets thrown over there on the other side, and all the guards that were around them have been flown, and it's just like, oh, what a coincidence! It's all groovy, and it happens to be one ship intact that we can fly away on, and it's great. I think that, to be fair, still feeds into what you said about the suspension of disbelief. Star Wars has always, if you're gonna, if not, you're gonna... I feel like that was probably the worst, attri- like a worst atrocity of any film, any Star Wars film, not including the, the prequels because they're all massive suspensions of disbelief unto themselves just for but two hours each that, time that but... for me so it's just like oh we need we need them to have a battle to like sell the action figures but mm. we don't know I mean they're captured they need to be uncaptured how do we <laughs> do or she can fly through the ship mm. sh- and then they'll all be in different areas and then like, it's fine yeah that's good good work Johnson yeah <laughs> again ticking those ticking those boxes, ticking those boxes. Yeah, you gotta tick they gotta tick those boxes um so and she gets utterly nothing to do and i i feel mm. sorry for gwen, gwen, gwen i can't even say her name tonight gwendolyn christie <laughs> sounds like you're saying gwendol out of her i know for something like i'm that. just like she gets paraded on all these press all these press tours and like mm. all that and they bring up game of thrones they talk about game of thrones more than more than she gets to do and like, you know she talks about that more than star wars it makes and, it makes sense like, she doesn't I, have I, that I'd, much I'd be i'd be hugely it. embarrassed if i was her i'm like well 
at least give me something to do and give me like some actual dialogue that isn't just ridiculous. It's like traitor. <laughs> Man, I couldn't. Every time someone said traitor, I can't keep a tra- straight face anymore. So but... yeah, it's disappointing. I mean, like Boba Fett is good at what he does. Mm. You don't see him very much, and like you know, it's let it's latched onto because he's you know so mysterious. Um, I mean, I guess he gets chucked in a Starlight pit, so he, it's not the most uh, extravagant progression for him. Um, and I kind of see that's kind of what they're, you know, it's kind of what JJ set up. And I think Ryan Johnson couldn't be asked with really doing much with Phasma's character. So I think, again, in the same way, he was doing that idea of Phas- uh, everyone. I don't know whether he was really influenced by fan reactions to Force Awakens. I think he said he'd started writing the script long in advance, but it feels like he's gone, oh, everyone's thinking, who's Phasma? How is she going to play into the bigger trilogy? Oh, I'm just going to kill her off and things to do away with these pretenses about it. Um, Someone did say, I like this tweet, where they're like, what's the connection between Boba Fett, Mace Windu, and Captain Phasma? And it's this just idea that they're built up as much bigger than they actually are, and then they get thrown into some pit of some kind. It, It... it's like you're investing in characters when you shouldn't be investing in characters. But Don't it, give them screen time then. No. I mean, like, there's a whole... You know, you could probably cut the, the, the filler in this film just completely out and give it to characters that actually need it. Like, give Finn something actually decent to do. Maybe there's, like, mm-hmm. a race to a... You know, like a... I don't know, there's a race to find the technology source or the inventor of the hyperdrive tracking technology mm. and Finn's racing towards it, but, uh-oh... Phasma's there, and then, and then, and then like they... I love that as the introduction. Like, no, Phasma's so they, there. So and then they actually have like something meaningful to do. Mm. Maybe Finn gets the, te- the te- technology, races back, but it's too late because something's already happened. But instead, we're treated to some weird casino mm. and like, a character I don't care about. Um, Rose, who doesn't really get much to do apart from like save Finn later in the movie and maybe she'll have a bigger role in but like, nine but that's not enough to I think justify it right now and it's just like when you actually sit down and talk about these scenes that like, mm. you've actually been quite you brought some of this to light for me it's like <laughs> you actually think about it on feel like, like we're a, in a counseling yeah session, I feel like you you, you, you write it down like and you think oh, actually I see what he was really doing you know I see what he was doing there and it mm. actually maybe on a rewatch I'll actually get it more but it's just so much of the structural elements just not there to support the rest of it and if I'm like, if I'm going to go back and watch, you know, watch a few Star Wars films, these aren't going to be on my agenda. Like, I'm going to go through the original trilogy and probably stop. And the, I'll consider these just like a Legends spin-off or like... Um, these just, will be the non-canon kind of ones. Just like, just like the almost. fun ones I might stick on every now and then. Like, they're like the what-ifs, you know. What if, like, the Star Wars trilogy had made more re- films that weren't relevant or mm. needed? And I think, and you say about kind of sticking them on casually, this is... Uh, so we went to it at midnight and it's a two and a half hour film and I've said to you before and said I think I said it with Blade Runner but even more so here that idea of whether you can justify you know uh, sort of a long ass running time and I think it was Entertainment Weekly did a review of Force Awakens uh, Force Awakens Last Jedi and they summed it up perfectly for me and they said there is a great 90 minute film here mm. that's expanded to 150 minutes by Canto by by you know, just padding of a lot of these arcs for Poe and everything like that. And if you'd found those, maybe not 90, but let's say 100, 110, just under two hours of great footage focusing on Ray and Luke and all the investigation mm. of the Jedi Order and all these different arcs coming together, um, that that could have been a great no, Star it Wars would have, film. It would have been a great film. But the, the thing that would have taken that film 
and made it, you know, like an empire level is, you know, taking these characters that get chucked onto Kanto by or Phasma and then interweaving them within the story that mm. we care about. Like, what I mean, what is this film about? It's what happens. Snoke dies, Luke dies, Ray Ray has conflicts. It ends. Kylo becomes main enemy. Like that's that's what happened. That's mm. the, that's the plot. Um, well, that's the story. And with the plot within it, I mean, you could explore so much more there, and it would have been so much more satisfying to have. Yeah, you know, a plot that's really like whizzes along and it gets rid of all this filler and canto by and mm. you haven't got this stupid little like Skype call midway through the chase from the bug woman. <laughs> the bug woman. She's just uh, like playing, Canata, she's yeah. just like playing like like COD or she's playing Battlefront two maybe, I don't know, and she's just there like, Oh, you need to go find this guy and I'm just like, oh, okay, like she has a direct call to the, I don't know, like there's just so many bizarre elements. That one struck me as kind of a uh, they know that people like uh, the voice, uh, Lupita Nyong, sort of this up-and-coming uh, actress. And again, it's, uh, it's you know, having this more diverse Star Wars cast. But if you're just going to have her there for a few seconds... It's a little, like, video call. And, like, why don't they just phone someone else? Like, phone the phone the galactic police to come along. Like, oh, <laughs> by the way, guys, we're getting chased by, like, the First Order. Mm. I know you've all been, like, for some unknown reason, in J.J. Abrams' vision of post-Jedi that... You know what? We just had this really bad dictatorship. So let's all just disarm because I think we don't need any like we don't need we don't need like standing armies or yeah. that because that is what happens. Like the Republic is is defenseless basically. There's no like there's no defenses for anything. It's just let this massive power vacuum, which just makes no sense to me. No, um, it's just like why would why did JJ reduce that? I think there was. It was just of, easy. I think it was just easy. It was how how can we give it a blank slate and how can we get it to a point where it's a similar setup to. The films that everyone loved, which were the original trilogy, and he, he should have been braver. He, yeah, I, 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 I blame J.J. Abrams for this film's faults. You blame J.J. No, I do for honestly. All of this film's faults. No, all of them. All I do blame them. I, I don't think J.J. Abrams like whispering in uh, Ryan's ear, like do Canto bite. Like everyone. No, but if he if he did set the pieces up and the galaxy in the right way, mm. then this film would have been a breeze to write. It, would, it may not have been the best Star Wars film, but it would have been much easier to tell. And even if you'd set it far apart from all of the shenanigans that happened in Jedi, I feel like you would have made a better film for it. Like, you don't... No one's going to go, like... You know, you need to make the new, the next Luke Skywalker, not bring him back up and ruin, every, ruin him for everyone. And It's a, it's a difficult one. I feel uh, both of us have only seen it once so far. Watch we? it again and we'll love it. Uh, yeah, we'll come and do another podcast and it'll be a totally different review. I am interested to see what I think of it second time round when I go in knowing some of the ideas it's trying to I know a lot of people across. said it improves on the second watch mm. yeah and I'm sure I'm sure well to a certain extent because certain things that took you by surprise in a negative way aren't going to take you by surprise mm. this time I also wonder whether us seeing it at midnight I'm sure by getting on towards plus we three, also watch Force Awakens, Force Awakens which is I'm a long sure by getting itself. on towards 3 o'clock I was flagging and that didn't help the last 20 minutes or so but uh I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be one that people continue to discuss. Continue to discuss, and where it's going to rank for people amongst the. There seems to be this huge chasm between the critics' review scores and the public review scores. Kind of going the other way to in the past, where it's been critics have Mm. hated, let's say, BVS, Batman vs Superman, and then. There's a dedicated fan base that will defend it. Who will defend it? But weirdly enough, like. This is the opposite way it's, it's weird. I mean, there's, there's definitely people who enjoyed the film, mm. but you know, most people I've encountered like didn't really get on board with it. 
Um, no, I can't say I've spoken I don't, to I don't really know. Who was stunned. I, just, I don't. It's hard. It's very. It's a hard one because you know it's not intrinsically a bad film at all. No. And it's um. It's, it's not. It's got loads of strengths to it, peppered throughout it, but wider in, in, kind in of the wide, in the wider scheme, and it has all the ingredients that a lot of people who aren't even in that into Star Wars would enjoy. It's got like a lot of not a massive amount of space battles, but it's got quite a lot of action. It's not mm-hmm. um, it's not it's not a slow one by any means. Um, no, it's got action. It's got some inter- interesting themes that it's trying to you know it's trying to explore, even if it doesn't execute them brilliantly. It's got a lot of components to be, as we've said, a mm-hmm. great film. It just doesn't quite add up to. I think from what we've said, it doesn't quite add up to that. Whether that's and I think a lot of that is it is it's you know it's an impossible task to you know recapture the, the magic of the original trilogy and mm. make make the decisions of Luke Skywalker and make, you know they, it belongs to everyone like those 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 films you know everyone's seen them a million times that everyone knows exactly like how Greedo shot first yeah exactly yeah, you know, everyone knows that every, and everyone <laughs> knows that and you're never going to be able to please everyone you've not pleased me this time around like but, I'm, I'm trying to envision in my head what is this now, going back on the last three films, we've had Last Jedi, Rogue One, and Force Awakens. I enjoyed Force Awakens. I didn't think it was amazing because of what we said—the structural similarities. Rogue One, we've discussed before. It, again, it it straddles too close to the line that we've seen before. And yeah, Last Jedi tries to take some risks, but I think it's safe to say for both of us, doesn't quite stick the landing. So I'm almost trying to work out in my mind what constitutes. How can they do a great Star Wars film in the 21st century? Can they do a film that's ever going to recapture that magic or take it into enough of a different direction that it, it thrills you as much? Well, I think they can, but like within the constraints that Abrams have set up, I'm going to be an anti-Abrams hype, but <laughs> I don't think you, you could have made us... Given the fact that you know there's a massive checklist of what needs to be in the film... Mm. It's some. It's you know. It's impossible to jang, you know juggle all those elements without either copying the original trilogy or making very bold choices like some of them in this film that is a very good. You know, going to polarize people extremely. Do you wish in some ways that obviously Abrams is doing nine? Do you wish in some ways he'd done all three? If it, I think because so. he's left Ryan to kind of deal. Because then with at least you'd get a, a kind of, maybe a kind of more coherent vision across all three. I mean, mm. you've got you've got Abrams. He's very kind of. He's got his own very personal kind of style he's a very visual storyteller and he you know there's some great elements of the force awakens that mm. he set up and i'm sure he would have done a lot with i reckon he had a lot of regrets with the film and i reckon he's like you know what i only had one film to tell all this stuff now i've got the second the second part i can really explore phasma and i can explore the snow maybe i can explore how more about the first order because you, you know get a very rushed introduction to them and they're already destroying planets and i don't know yeah. I don't know because like, I, you know, I had a lot of faith in Ryan Johnson, given his, you know, his track record is is fantastic. Luca, um, a few of his films have been fantastic. And it, I don't, I don't doubt his like commitment to this at all. But you know, in the end, I just agree. I agree with you know Mark Hamill, his comments on how he said, "I disagree with everything you've done with my character." Um, and although I, I think Ryan managed to win him over enough, but anyway, I think he, he liked of... the kind of the the dedication to the the craft and the mm. the di- at least he was dedicated to the direction he was taking it rather than him agreeing with it. But yeah, I think I think it's it's a different it's going to be a different one for different people. I actually don't feel I love I do love the original three films, although I found there were. Going back to A New Hope, they're actually bits that dragged a bit. Um, I don't feel quite as intrinsically connected to those films as some 
as some people do. So I felt like I could, and as we've talked about here, I felt I could see elements like Canterbury and the humour and uh, the soundtrack being quite unoriginal and the familiar beats. And I could pick those out as elements which I really didn't didn't get on with. I don't think I was too annoyed by things like Luke kind of not being the character I remember or Snoke not being revealed or uh, uh, his identity sort of and background not being revealed or even Ray's parents. I don't mind Ryan Johnson taking those risks, but even if you take that out, and it's fine, you know, if you really struggle to reconcile this with the previous trilogy and that's, you know, a big problem for you. I just think whichever way you look at it, there are kind of enough elements that detract, whether it's fan elements or whether it's it's not elements it's not just film that and it's just filmmaking that I don't know I think we discussed it slightly after we came out but it's just general fatigue with these mm. this iconography these storylines that it's not just one thing which the Luke thing annoyed me but if it was you know good all out that direction fine like it's interesting to explore like a more human side to Luke yeah. like I can see that and on a, on a second rewatch I might actually get it more mm-hmm. but you know I, it's just so much familiarity and it's just a this this franchise is is it you know it's just ridiculously limited i think we discussed this in the past but is there a, a story they can tell which is ever going to have a you know a fraction of the of the magic that you know the original original films did yeah or or at least a fraction of the surprises i would i wouldn't mind if we can never get a star wars film that kind of feels has has this awe inspiring wonder about it you could i'm sure you could probably do a great star wars horror you could pro- i think you could even do as the uh marvel and superhero films are starting to do like logan go into different genres and explore those mm. and see where you can expand the star wars universe i think it's it's maybe fatigue because they just keep seeming to go down such similar lines and even when Ryan, you know, a lot of people clearly think he did go in a different direction to what they expected. But not enough, yet, enough of one. It doesn't feel like it, no. And it's just like, it, it's actually depressing because, like, just towards the end of that movie, I, I think I audibly sighed. I was just like, I'm bored. I'm literally bored. <laughs> I and remember when I thought of the trailer, you know, the trailers had Crate in them. Yeah. And we were in space and getting towards the end. And obviously, I knew Luke must have to factor into it somehow, but I was like, oh my goodness, we're going to. We're going to spend another half an hour, 40 minutes on crate, aren't we now? I, I, like you, I mm. felt like I was almost signed. Just may, maybe because we started at midnight and maybe we had Maybe that's why, but lunch, I think but... it was just as general. Like I, I sat through Force Awakens and I've seen that film God knows how many times and <laughs> it just flowed much nice. It was a much more balanced film. Mm. I wasn't bored throughout it. You know, I've seen it so many times now and it just, it's still actually as a film I wouldn't mind going back to. Um, with this, I just found myself just utter, uh, some parts of it just utterly bored, and it's just it's I feel quite like depressing. You'd skip the scenes in Canterbury if you were there with yeah, the DVD yeah, yeah. You'd probably skip them, and it's a shame because I'd watch like Star Wars Rebels, and I'm not aud- I'm not audibly sighing at it. At least it's like kind of doing you know new kind of bits, and it's like it's just it's quite depressing that I'm watching a Star Wars movie with characters that you know we all adore, mm. and yeah, I'm I'm sighing at it. I, it's it's not a good sign and it's not it's not a, it, not just because I'm not massive on the idea of a Han Solo movie but it's not a great sign that we've got another Star Wars film in like we were saying before we recorded at half a year's time and I'm just 
I'm just not enamored about the idea or about episode nine. And again, you can be like, oh, like, I wonder what the checklist is for Han Solo film. It's going to have Millennium Falcon and it's going to have, like, he's going to be swindling people. He's going to be. Maybe Vader will cameo again. Maybe, you know, it's just like. You got to explore new new characters, new 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 genres. I think is probably actually the main point I take from what from you were just saying. Like mix sci-fi with mix sci-fi with, yeah with horror or like, you know, like a heist movie or like a not maybe not comedy. I don't want to because there's enough comedy in these films as <laughs> there a, is. But have a, have a zany do it, Logan. I, and I feel like the overall issue is that the Disney execs and Kathleen Kennedy are so adamant on keeping these familiar intercontextual elements of these films because they think oh this is what people love this is what will make us money but they, I think they have got to be the ones to go you know what this is this isn't this is getting far too repetitive it's kind of ruining the brand almost and it, it even makes it then like almost, almost as if you've got kind of this war within The Last Jedi of Ryan Johnson going hey look we can throw all these tropes out of the window then the other half you've got mm. like we've said Cantabite you've got the Porks you've got mm it's Disney kind of going, well, we know we can't go too far yeah. in that direction. You, you can say, throw some tropes out, but we need some. And I'm just hoping when, with uh, this new trilogy that Rian Johnson gets, that he's afforded that le- like luxury. Mm. And then, and Apparently he didn't even picture, he's still working on what the story could be, when it could be set. He's got no idea. Well, that's, well, that's good. Go. And it doesn't, even though it could save money doing that. I don't have to see, like, I don't want to see endless space battles or like loads of VFX. Mm. I, I could picture a Star Wars film set on one planet one location maybe one spaceship like one of. one spaceship and just do a really intimate intimate look into one area of this galaxy which is mm. meant to be so vast there's thousands of, of systems um, I've said this before you know go into the dark underbelly of Carson and explore like a, the bounty hunting or, or as we were going to have with that video game uh, was it 1313 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, do something like that like, there's so adapt much. what 1313 was I don't think there's a, a you know an existing universe in any 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 kind of uh any kind of mythology that you could, you know, there's so much to work on. And it goes to show there's like, you know, a hundred of extended universe books which are no longer canon you could draw upon for that, you know. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, you know, there's potential there and I, I do hope it's explored. I, I hope so, I guess. Which we're just going to wait and see. <laughs> we'll just, that's all we can do with the Star Wars trilogy. We'll find out in five months' time whether we're wrong, you know, wrong about Solo, a Star Wars story. Oh we can do something different. So just like Last Jedi, I think we may have outstayed our welcome a little bit too much there. Yeah, <laughs> maybe we went on for 150 minutes and you can find the 90 best minutes too. But, uh, I'm sure you could uh, find at least like five good minutes of discussion in all of that. Yeah. And we may even post it as a short, a, a short snippet on, uh, on the social medias. Hope, yeah, hopefully, so. If, <laughs> hopefully we, uh, so. if we do, but um, yeah, so thank you all for listening. Uh, make sure to hit us up on the Twitters. We're at Cultiversecast. We're, or, we're sure about that on, this time, yeah. The or, or on the Facebooks, uh, facebook.com slash Cultiverse. Yeah. We love uh, hearing from you. It's good. Yeah. If you disagree with us, then... Um, then I, don't, I'm sure a good few of you do. I'm, I'm probably a lot of you do, because you know, a lot of people did like this film. And uh, you know, this has been a quite overtly negative negative probably podcast especially <laughs> on my from my half but you know it was um it was an it was a fine movie and in an age of bad bad films there's been quite a few this year i mean this hasn't been the worst of the bunch oh we've had a few terrible uh, give me this over transformers the last night for example yeah. any day but i'd actually take this over kingsman 2 actually as well because uh i thought this was a better film slightly yeah i would i probably I would... did so level of disappointment but that's because i cared a lot more and was more you know i was anticipating this Star Wars film a lot more, but yeah, 
Well, we usually disagree on a film. This uh, this is the first, yeah, normally first time we... in a while we've agree, <laughs> agreed, but not in the best of. I wish we agreed. It was good. both. It was really good. I think well, we both. I think we both still agree that it's good. It's just it's a shame that for us it doesn't fulfil the potential that Last Jedi definitely could have done. Yeah. We'll try and go for a more, more positive topic. <laughs> topic and on that time. note, uh, yeah, thank you all for listening. Um, we'll be back soon. Sorry for the long delay of this one. Hopefully, the length of the, this podcast maybe makes up for it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, thank you all for listening, guys. Ciao. Ciao.